Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Cut. I am your host, Christian Williams, and I am here with Randy Hall. Randy, how are you? So it's some, always some weird emphasis on that. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, ankle and foot healing nicely from the workout injury last week. <laughs> well, I've got some some sympathy pain or something, because uh, now my Achilles <laughs> is just just killing me. I Yo, am not dude, having a good time. It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah. But so I did uh I did like eighteen thousand, nineteen thousand steps on Saturday, so definitely expected. But we're not here to talk about our, our pedometers. We're here to talk about football. And before we get started with our interview with Damian Parson, aka at DP underscore NFL from the Crocker Report, which was an incredible freaking interview. We talked about that Friday. Uh just a great time. We ended up talking with him for like an hour off. Uh, the interview so we're sorry you don't get to hear all of it but it's probably a good thing we talked about some some stuff that probably shouldn't go on an interview but uh <laughs> no it was, it was a really good time with Damien and, and we're really excited for you guys to hear it um we also have a three-round Superflex rookie mock today which is going to be super fun uh this is our first one of the season Randy how are you feeling going into it we're going to do it live uh, so yeah a little nervous there's not uh, there's no practice really yet. Uh, nope. There's no good ADP anywhere. I think this. Uh, I think these guys have only accurately been in sleeper for about three days now. <laughs> the end of the month, this is going to be a lot better. Middle of next month, it'll be almost extremely accurate, and then it'll all change at the end of April. <laughs> yeah, think back to so, like uh, our Superflex rookie mock last year when we were putting Clyde at like the back of the second round. And then he ended up being like the third or fourth pick in Superflex. Same thing with Rager. He shot right up after the draft. I mean, we'll see. There's there's four, five quarterbacks that landing spot is going to be huge, as well as obviously talent and personal feelings. But there's a chance one of them is a backup for a whole season for the Falcons. That's going to really fuck their draft stock. Yeah. Also, you better be including Kellen Mond, bro. I I am not. <laughs> I'm not going to include my eighth-ranked quarterback. <laughs> That's where he's landing for me, too, uh, which is a spoiler, because I have my new article, The Kellen Mond Experience, um, that is coming out tonight at 6.30 p.m., so look for that. I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll get it pushed out. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, and you're like, wow, these guys are are funny guys. That's what you're thinking based on the beginning of this podcast. Uh, just drop us a five-star review. You don't have to think that. But leave us a four- or five-star review. If you don't really think that we're four or five stars, send us uh, a mean review in our DMs or something, but still drop the four or five stars. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we actually did get a new five-star review, Randy. I did not type it in, so we'll have to read it later this week. Great. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it'll be the it might be the most exciting thing on the tight end episode. Just saying. Yeah, that's that's factual. All right. Uh, without further ado, let's kick it to our interview with Damian Parson. And I should say that my mic was fucked up for the first uh, few minutes of it. So I'm sorry we fixed it mid interview. And I think it sounds better 
towards the end. So bear with us. I don't think it's too awful, but it was just my damn AirPods were connected. A little sluts. All right. Yep. Let's kick it to Damien. <laughs> All right, guys. We are here with Damien Parson, the draft writer for the Crocker Report. Damien, how are you tonight, man? Hey, man. I am great. Like I said, I'm happy to be here. You know, happy to talk ball, man. I'm always, I'm always excited to talk some football, man. So, like I said, I'm happy to be here, bro. Good stuff. I'm also here with Randy. I probably should have mentioned that. Uh, Randy, uh, how are you? Important people first. Uh, I'm doing all right. Little, <laughs> What's going on? Insta sore from workout, but you know that's the life. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Damien. So uh, we've got some questions lined up for you, and we're going to start by mentioning that we brought on uh, Eric Crocker from the Crocker Report uh, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. We discussed some of the corner prospects in this class. So I know that. People are all over the place on who the top guy is. We see J.C. Horn. We see Patrick Sertan. We see Caleb Farley quite a bit. How are your corner rankings shaking out? And are there any guys like past those top three that should be in that conversation? Uh, I mean, right now for me, man, I mean, I, and if, of course, you check my Twitter feed. I talked about it uh, probably about two weeks ago. I'm a huge J.C. Horn fan. I, I really like this corner class altogether, but J.C. Horn is my number one corner. He has everything you're looking for, especially from an attitude standpoint. You know, you look at the Jalen Ramseys, the Marcus Peters, and the Deion Sanders. If you go back to the older days, just that type of that moxie, that attitude, what we call the dog. He has that yeah. dog in him, and um, and he's physical. You know, uh, and I love I love that about his game. You see him on tape; he's in the face of receivers. I love me personally. I am biased to press man corners. I, I if I'm a defense, if I'm playing defense or I'm calling a defensive game. I want to play as physical and as aggressive at the line of scrimmage as possible, you know, throw off the timing, harass receivers, kind of take it back to the, you know, early days of Peyton versus uh, Bill Belichick when he came into, into Foxborough. That's why the rules were changed because Ty Law and the rest of those guys were out there harassing Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and company. So that's the type of, that's the brand of defense that I like just to get in the receiver's face. JC Horn to me is the best just man to man guy, press man guy at, uh, in this class. Um, next up, I mean, Patrick Sertain is just the best way to describe it is just smooth. Like everything he does is smooth, it's clean, it's precise. Um, you know, and Croc has talked about it. A lot of people question Sertan's speed because, you know, he doesn't, he's not getting, you know, I mean, technically when you, I don't question the guy's speed when he's rarely getting stacked. You understand what I'm saying? So like if, right. if you're playing so much press man as much as he does and in, in Nick Saban's system and receivers, especially in the SEC, some of the best athletes in college football, and you're in phase nine times out of ten. I'm not really worried about your speed. Like I'm, you know, not get me wrong. I'm not saying you go throw him one on one with Tyreek Hill. Like you know, that's not probably the best <laughs> idea. But you know, that's just me. I'm not doing that. But I really like it. Like I said, for for me with him, he he'll come in. He'll he's a force player in the run game. He's technically sound, you know, Grant. I mean, he has a father who played the same position, so he better be technically sound. So he's, <laughs> uh, so he's technically sound as well. Intelligent kid. One thing Nick Saban does with a lot of his corners, especially uh, if, you, if you look at him when he first got there, he kind of played nickel in the slot a lot, just kind of got his bearings. 
And then he threw him outside. So, okay, you're my number one guy. Let's go ahead and lock things down. Um, and, and that's my number two. Caleb Farley for me is number three, the best athlete out of the three easily. Right. But he's just, he needs some refining. He's a former receiver, uh, which kind of, you know, lends to some Richard Sherman as type of comps as in his, uh, from a mental aspect, him, him being a former receiver, he should know how to play off, read the quarterback, read the receiver's routes, run the routes for them. Sometimes um, he's not the best tackler though. Not, you know, kind of greedy Williams type of knock. He's not the most physical and in the NFL, you know, I know it, it's a pass happy league, but when teams are like, okay, well, you can't tackle. Let's run off tackle to your side. Let's run zone stretch to your side. Let's run toss sweep crap to your side. And now let's get you one-on-one. You know, let's pull that, let's pull that, that receiver that you're covering in motion, crack down that linebacker. Now it's you and my fullback or you and my running back. And I'm going to take that every time if you not, if you don't like to be physical. So he just needs to be refined a little bit, you know, uh, get with a, a good coach that can kind of help him um, from a technique standpoint, but like he has all the tools, like Caleb Farley has legitimately every, he could check every box, the the height, the length, you know, the legit pure athleticism, his being a receiver, his ball skills are ridiculous. Like soft hands at the, at the, uh, with his competitiveness at the catch point. I really like his potential. Um, so, you know, that's why in my re- my most recent mock, I have him going to, you know, nine to the Broncos to fit uh, Vic Vangio's scheme because they play a lot. Of, they play a kind of mixture coverage off uh, off man, press man, zone. And I think he's better in those regards than Sertan and Horn. Um, my, my fourth guy in my top five, Asante Samuel, man. I love Asante Samuel Jr., like just the way he mirrors and matches at the line of scrimmage, you see him playing, sh- you know, he shuffles a lot, uh, playing zone. Sometimes I didn't like how they kind of called it for him. Uh, but just watching him, his feet are that that's he has some of the cleanest feet, like in, in, in from the cornerback standpoint, which, again, I mean, he's got that thorough that 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 blood. <laughs> Yeah. So he better, like he, he better, man. Like, who your father is, you better have these things down pack. Uh, but I was actually, I was just watching because I was watching one of his teammates the other night, Janarius Robinson, against North Carolina. It was a play where he kind of baited um, Sam Howell into a, into a quick hitch, and he dropped off like he was going onto deep thirds. And his, his ability to click and close is very good. Like, he, he baited him. Jumped it, broke up the pass, nearly came up with the interception. So, like, you definitely could see his father in them all the way. And um, and I, I recently started talking. He's recently on my in my top five. Greg Newsom from uh, Northwestern. You know, just the length. Um, you know, fluid hips, be able to transition, change directions. Um, and, and he's intelligent. You know, watching him play the high low reads when he is in zone, which I put up a couple clips uh, or a clip or uh, two. Uh, I believe it was last week. And, and I just really like what I've seen from him, his ability to play man and zone. Uh, I actually, I think I mocked him to the Colts because uh, the Colts need that type of, uh, need that type of corner. Like I said, he can play man, he can play zone. Kind of can do whatever you want. Yeah, man. Uh, Newsom's a guy that's flying up people's boards this last, seems like week, but it's definitely months. But <laughs> you see the people getting bold uh, this last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely in that conversation to be a first-round talent. Uh, especially after the top three, where everyone's kind of uh, yeah. picking and choosing their favorite type of, <laughs> type of situation. Uh, yes, yeah, but yeah, I love the breakdown of all the top three guys for sure. 
Anything? Okay. <laughs> See if you had anything to add to that, Christian. But okay, whatever. No, I'm good, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with this running back class, uh, it's been intriguing for a lot of people. We think it's a little bit fairly top heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Christian having Javante Williams is number one, and me have Najee, and us having ETN and Gainwell up there as well. But there's, do you think there's guys in the midday, like day three mid rounds, that are really going to contribute? I, I guess maybe not this year because usually those don't necessarily hit. Obviously, we've been kind of blessed with that over the last couple of years with Robinson <laughs> and Lindsay and all those guys right. being undrafted and everything. Uh, but is there anything you're really feeling on those guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm a former running back, so you know, I, I definitely that's my favorite position. I tweeted about that earlier. I do have a couple guys in the mid rounds. I talked about one guy a couple weeks ago, um, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. Um, the main thing the the main thing with him is he played around 246, I believe, during the season. Then after the season, he dropped to 227. Now, most people look at that as a plus, which it is. Don't get me wrong. It is. But, okay, are you going to balloon back up to 246, 250 once we get through, you know, getting to camp? And everything? like you, we when I when I looked at him on tape, I'm like, man, like for a guy his size, he's nimble, good feet. Um, he makes guys miss, you know, you know in, in tight quarters, soft hands in the receiving game as well. So I looked at him. I was like, you know, trying to look at a comp. And he kind of reminded me of slim Eddie Lacy. You know, Eddie Lacy wasn't, you know, he wasn't eating. Yeah, he reminded me of Eddie Lacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, like, you know, that's it. You know. And, and, but again, that, that's the, but that comp kind of goes into the, even the pros and cons. Like, can we trust you, you know, to stay within a good weight range? Um, you know, t- don't get me wrong. 246 isn't terrible, but I would like you to be, because you, you look at him at the senior bowl, he's 227. He's moving a lot quicker out there in his routes, everything, because he doesn't have that extra baggage. So uh, I would prefer him to be around 225, 227. But again, that's kind of the question mark, you know, because it, it these questions of, okay, commitment. Is he committed to stay disciplined, stay with, a, uh, with a, you know, with his uh, nutrition and different things like that? So, but I really like his game overall. I think he has kind of a three down uh, type of potential. Um, I talked about this guy, you know, all thing over the summer, Kylan Hill uh, from Mississippi State. He, dear God, if it wasn't for Mike Leach, like I think he would have had a, like, he he really his name would have been buzzing a lot more. Mike Leach got there, you know, he wants to toss the pigskin all over the yard, and um and it's just yeah no, like you need to run the ball at some point, Mike, and that was just wasn't the wasn't the right thing, uh, wasn't a good fit for uh, for what Colin does, but he has great contact balance. He's a, a forward leaner, powerful runner. Um, in tight quarters, he's elusive as well. Good hands out of back, which you saw in the one game he played, you know, the first game of the season in Mike Leach's system against LSU. I think he had almost 200 yards receiving or something like that. Like he, they used him like he was a receiver. Again, they didn't run the ball with him. Uh, so it was just like, you know, he was like, you know what, I'm out. I'm going to go ahead and opt out. And I don't blame him either. So, uh, but he's a guy that I think really could become a kind of a bell cow back or uh number two back in the committee as well. And then, um, you know, Trey Sermon, man, like, you know, coming out of Oklahoma, like, I know he dealt, he dealt with some injuries and everything like that. But once he got going last year with uh, Ohio State, I was really impressed with him. Uh, just his ability to, you know, of course, make guys miss. I, I love running backs who finish physical. And we saw that against Clemson. Like, he set the tone 
from the get-go. And Clemson's defense really didn't know what hit them. And by the time they realized, they were losing. So it was just like it was over after that. And the way he he punishes runners, and, and that's one thing I love about him. Uh, he, he fits a zone scheme very well. Um, and he's got good patience, good vision. And, again, like he strings together moves, which I put up a couple of clips on Twitter about that the other night as well, just watching him. For a guy that's 220, 225, somewhere in there, he's quick. And the way that he's able to bounce off of tacklers and as a, as a running back, having that anticipatory mind to know, okay, I'm going to take a hit, but if I break this hit, I know I have a defender squared up one-on-one about five yards off. He's already planning. It's like at the top of his run, he's planning this next move. And, um, and that's one of the things. I, I think it was, Mich- I can't remember, it was Michigan State, uh, whoever I had the clip on. He took a, you know, he, broke, bent, he bent the uh, running back, brought the play back to the right side, hit the hole, took a, uh, a shot to the lower half, stayed on the, he literally slapped the ground, bounced back up, set a guy up with a two-step and just <laughs> bend off of him. And I'm like, you don't see backs his size able to to do that so those are kind of my three guys i mean if you're looking for like a a scat back receiver back puka williams from kansas um is another name to to definitely watch unfortunately we don't have the combine because that would have been great to see him and some of these other guys go out there and test yeah yeah for sure i think uh i think sermon's getting the we we talk about the rise and the fall of prospects here through this process and i've seen a lot about sermon the last couple of days Mm um all right so speaking of another top heavy position in this class. Um, obviously we know there's a, there's a big three uh, at the tight end position. So mm-hmm. in terms of how you're ranking Pat Fryermuth and Brevin Jordan, I assume Kyle Pitts is your one. Absolutely. So when deciphering between Pat Fryermuth and Brevin Jordan, what are you looking at and which guy do you prefer? So it's it's crazy because like in, in the scouting community, this is where you will look at okay, polished or traits, right? So like to me, Fryermuth is the more polished player. Like even as a route runner, he's more polished when breaking on in breaking in and out of routes, snapping off at the break point, things like that. Brevin is the more athletic of the two. So he has the better traits, quicker, faster, more explosive. Both are like well compacted guys in terms of build. And for me, I believe when I look at when I look at the two, it's tough because both of them block too. So it's like, you know, can't, you know, most for coming into the season, everybody's like, oh, Pat Fryer music, aka baby Gronk. Like that was the title, which I really like at this point, I think we need to retire that because I don't think we're gonna yeah. see another Gronk. Like just retire that whole phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, like no more baby Gronks coming going into uh, any more drafts. So, <laughs> like uh, watching watching everybody, you know, he's the most complete, he blocks it. Brevin Jordan blocks very well as well. He he's strong at the point of attack. Uh, you know. Get clean up some things from a technical technical standpoint, but that's what coaching's for, right? And once he gets to the league, that's what his position coach is for, uh, to help him work on those small uh, nuances to become a better blocker. Um, but when I look at it, you know, I take Brevin over Pat mainly because, like I said, he is the better athlete. But watching him after the catch, he is dynamic. For, when you see Titans, you don't think di- you know after the catch. How many Titans are actually dynamic? Right. These are six foot five, 250, 60 pound grown men. Like you're not. No, like you want you talk, pop on the I think it was a North Carolina tape. He he legitimately shrugs off guys like 
you know, like it's really like they're children at times. Like he just breaks through tackles and he he hits a gear and he outruns the even even safety defensive backs. So he's got that long speed. He's got the run after the catch ability. The only thing that, that like the only thing that frustrates me with prior move, not so much for him, it's a quarterback play. Like we didn't get to really see him in a featured role where they could really take advantage of like just finding mismatches. Like you put him in Alabama with either Mac Jones or two of the past two seasons. Like he's up there. Honestly, I think he's probably production wise going to be up there with Kyle Pitts. Like because he has a he has a competent and consistent quarterback. Penn State didn't have that for him. The past two, the past couple of years, actually, even McSorley, like it just wasn't, it is, it wasn't a good situation for him. So I, I think both of them are. I think him and Jordan are both day two prospects. I don't think either one of them makes that second round. And if they do, um, I'm not sure why. Like I don't think either one of them makes that second round because uh, right now the tight end position, when we look at it, receivers. And I talked about it on. Um, Cover to the Broncos podcast. The receiver position right now, you're seeing a lot more guys every year. They, they get deeper and deeper. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's because of seven-on-sevens. Seven-on-sevens are preparing these kids, and they're starting at a middle school, at middle school playing seven-on-sevens. They're getting called up to high school to travel to seven-on-sevens. And they're becoming so much more nuanced as in how to play receiver. So it's like now, instead of having, you know, two or three thoroughbreds, you have about six or seven each draft at this point. And guys, you know, some guys may take a year or two to develop, but that's just where it is. So it's like, eventually, I truly believe we're going to get to a place where we're going to devalue receivers the way we devalue running backs, where it's going to be like, well, I'm not going to pay a receiver $25 million when I can just say, you know what, I'll trade you for first and I'll draft a guy in the first round next year because the classes continue to get better. Tight ends. It's a little different. Tight ends are the biggest mismatch on the field because, you know, I mean, we talk about Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts has be, he legitimately beat corners, safeties, and linebackers. When you have a guy, when you have guys that can win in multiple ways, in line, in the slot, out wide, you know, as the as an X, like that's that's coveted, man. When you can split a tight end at the at the X and throw trips to the opposite side, and like, you know what? I got you to the boundary. And that's a corner over there. I'm still comfortable with you on the route or you downfield. I'm going to give my guy a chance. Tight ends are prevalent right now. So Pat Frymuth and, and uh, Brevin Jordan, like I said, I, I think for me, I have Jordan ahead of him because of athleticism and his potential. But both of them are great prospects, and I don't think they make it out of the second round. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I think we're both right with you there. <laughs> yeah, it's this tight end position, while a lot of people have been calling for it to be out of fantasy after the last couple of years, <laughs> it's starting to become very, very crowded. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Trust for me, sure. I, I hate, I hate trying to search for tight ends. I, oh. I hate when people like in fantasy. I really hate when that one guy pulls Travis Kelsey in the second round. It pisses me off every time. <laughs> and I'm like, now I got to go. Re- I got to legitimately go for George Kittle or some <laughs> other tight end super early when I don't want to. So it's just like, yeah. it drives me insane. Always. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you kind of mentioned the wide receiver position too, which leads us into our next question. So uh, Rashad Bateman is one of those guys that's having one of those rise and fall uh, instances that we talked about with Sermon, uh, partially because of his uh, Exos Pro Day time, I think. Um, but he, he's really become pretty polarizing. I mean, I've seen guys have 
round three grades on him. I've seen, I mean, he's my wide receiver one, so that's right. polarizing enough. <laughs> um, so with him being the, such a wide spectrum, what are your overall thoughts on Bateman and what do you kind of project him as at the next level? Um, so I've like, again, in my recent mock, I had him going to Chicago because I, I believe Chicago is most likely going to lose Allen Robinson unless they franchise tag him. Um, so if they lose Allen Robinson, you know, I'd say, you know, you take Bateman, you pair him with, you know, Mooney, Cole Komet, like just go ahead and get this youth movement started and you have your, your, your big three. And then you have David Montgomery in the backfield, like just get a new coach. Cause Matt Nagy is not it. So, um, <laughs> and a new quarterback. Yeah. Oh, dear, dear God. Yes. Um, <laughs> so well, the way I look at Bateman, man, he, he has a day one, day two grade for me. I, I really have him in the first round. He's a technician. Like, you know, we talked about polish, you know, when we talk about Devonta Smith, Devonta Smith and, and Rashad Bateman probably top, you know, one, a one B in terms of polish, when it comes down to route running release packages, hands set natural separators. Uh, they don't have to win with in, in, while you don't get me wrong. Devonta Smith is also a 10. He's like a 10, six guy in the hundred. So he's got speed, but I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not listening to that XO pro day that they had with no four, three, nine. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. I'm not believing it, but um, I don't, cause I don't see it. I don't see it on tape. I don't see him just burning guys on tape. He wins with route. He's a savvy player. And I looked at him. I was like, well, if he, if he bulked up a little bit, um, I kind of see some Allen Robinson in him that inside outside versatility. But then I looked at him from a body tan, uh, body uh, type standpoint. I see Keenan Allen. Um, just that, that guy that, it's not going to like I. I really wish we had the combine so we could see actual forty times. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's, it's going to be so I, tough this year. I am not listening to anything about that EXO stuff. I'm not listening to any of it. So um, I can't. I can't do that to myself. So I look at him like, well, you know, because Keenan Allen ran like a what a four six, and um, and people are like, oh, absolutely not. Like he's not going to. And then he's he earned the name Slayer because he slays DBs week in and week out. You know, at the at the at the line of scrimmage with great hands, and I always talk about you can separate vertically from leaving the ground and and, and getting up in the air, or you can separate on the ground horizontally or vertically as well. And Bateman can kind of do all of those things, you know. And, and for me, I really like him, especially when you put him in a slot. Like he he really is a he's a hassle because you give him that two way go. There's no sideline for the to help the cornerback and um. And if you can't get hands on him, which he's good hand fighting and with his feet, I have a day one grade on him for sure. Like, I think he's a first rounder, late first rounder, um, mid to late first rounder per se. But yeah, I, round three. Oof, yeah, no, I don't see why anybody would say that. Like, I don't know. Well, and and I question those people, obviously, because I'm really high on Bateman. And most of what they tell me is that he can't win against press coverage, which I mean, mm. I personally think like, yeah, that's definitely an area of improvement, but like, do I think that he'll improve on it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's funny because, you know, when I, 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 you've probably seen a lot of my tweets about Devonta Smith, like the the whole BMI thing. And (laughs) don't get me wrong. I get it. Like, you know, it's a concern if he's, first of all, I don't believe he's 160 until I see him weigh in, but, um, I, I get it. I get the whole frame questions and everything like that. And people, you know, well, what happens when he's going to face a six foot one, 205 corner? I'm like, okay, well, um, 
they have to touch him. I was like, so <laughs> like that's 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 the main part that people got to understand. That's what frustrates me when people don't watch tape. When you watch him at the release at the release point, he is so good, quick, like elusive. Like that's why when we, our first actual part uh, episode when we went live a couple about a month or two ago, uh, I said he's pretty, but he he. I broke it down to he's water. Like it's it's hard to contain him. Like it, it doesn't look ferocious until it's coming downhill. Like ask Byron Stingley, who's one of the best corners in football in college football. Like he cooked them for two hundred plus two years in a row. Like I don't really know what you're. And Byron Stingley's about two hundred pounds, mind you. There's some clips uh, floating around of uh, practice of him and Jamar Chase, and um, Jamar Chase is you know two hundred five, two ten, strapping kid. But the lack of suddenness and quickness at the line of scrimmage consistently, I mean, you pop on the tape, you see DBs get their hands all over Jamar Chase. So, you know, when people bring up things like, oh, well, Bateman can't get off press, or I worry about um, Devonta Smith off press, those same people in the same breath will be like, man, um, Jamar Chase is an alpha. Like, he can do anything. He, does, he, has, no, he has no flaws. And I'm like... You you don't watch all twenty two, do you? Like, there, there's no way, there's no, no way exactly. that you're saying anything like that because he does struggle with that. Actually, uh, that does. brings up a good point, a good idea. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to definitely uh, put up a clip later on this this evening of of, of him against Auburn last year, and, and just kind of show people what what we mean. Uh, Eric, you know, Croc has done the same thing, and people don't like it. I love Jamar Chase, no. I do. And but you know this whole flawless stuff. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Like, stop calling prospects flawless. Like, it's not Crazy. real. Like, this is not Madden. No. Like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're not creating players and walk them to the field as a rookie and you have a ninety-nine grade. Like, that's not it. So it's just like Bateman. I don't I, like. I said Bateman can grow in that regard, and, and that's that's the main thing. Like, he's to me, he's already good at beating press. Like, he's he's yeah, already so. technically sound there. Um, the main thing is just. You know, him seeing adjusting to, to the NFL style, just like it's going to be an adjustment for all rookie receivers. When you go up against that number one receiver and, and, and then number one corner in training camp and in OTAs and mini camp, and they get their hands on you, like, okay, this is a whole different world. <laughs> Let, I got to change, change my approach. I got to figure out, okay, how do I beat him? How do I beat these, these long arm corners who are going to, be patient at the line of scrimmage. Wait for me to make a move and then jab me. You know what I mean? So it's just pretty much about their development. I'm not saying that. That's why I keep saying that. I don't believe Jamar Chase is flawless, but I believe he can He can definitely improve in that area. The pro, The question is, will he? We'll see. Right. Yeah. There's, right. A, there's a weird thing with LSU receivers where it almost looks like because they were doing so good that they almost seem lazy on the field yep. at times like when yes. they know it's the same thing with Bamba receivers last year it's like well i didn't win rock paper scissors so i guess i'm gonna <laughs> stay here <laughs> so well, hopefully and justin jefferson hopefully has uh, broken that uh, yeah no. concern already but we'll see Definitely. All, right. Definitely. all right uh one last question here we have to like assume the cardinals are going to look to upgrade some offensive weapons uh specifically probably wide receiver two or three maybe yes. even a tight end uh, yes, but I don't know if they'll actually use them though. That's the only problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what what of the top guys that are most intriguing to you in that Cardinal system? Can you even see them drafting a first rounder uh, at a skill position? Obviously, they already have an edge thanks to JJ Watt signings, and maybe it's more priority now. 
I mean, I, th- I think it is. And, and one thing to watch out for as well is, like, I know a lot of people are thinking Hassan Reddick is going to price himself out of Arizona. Just kind of pump the brakes on it. He, like, he doesn't fit everything, everybody's scheme. He, he's not a fit for everyone. And I think that there's a strong and real possibility they're able to recoup him and bring him back, which then you would have JJ at the at the five technique in their three, four with Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick on the edges, that really takes away a huge portion of their drafts. Cause they don't have to worry about that at all. Like they don't even yeah. have to worry about drafting that spot. But um, you know, if now if JC Horn somehow falls into the, you know, into the like 15 to 20 range where they are selecting, I think JC Horn will be the pick, but so let's just say JC Horn is gone. I definitely think that, skill position is a need because, you know, I, uh, I actually looked at the passing chart. I think it was the first game against the Rams. Cliff Kingsbury called p- passes legitimately all game to the left side of the field, which is where DeAndre Hopkins lined up. It was all to the left and all of them were under 20 yards for the most part, except for maybe one or two deep shots. That is not a winning formula. They brought in, they, 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 Drafted Hakeem Butler and Andy Isabella in the same draft. They cut Hakeem Butler. I personally think that was a bad idea uh, because you kept Andy Isabella, who effort-wise isn't great. Uh, hands isn't great. He's, I'm not going to call him soft, but he's a finesse receiver. So he's, he's a speed guy, right? Like, yeah, no, he t- I just did an um, article called Designated Deep Threats. De- if Andy Isabella is in this draft, he will be a designated deep threat. He's a guy I'm yeah. bringing in. We get to the 50, and I'm calling play action RPO. I want him going downfield on a bang eight or nine route. He's not somebody I want playing snap in and snap out because I watched Kyler Murray target him deep a couple times last year. And if the ball wasn't right on the money for him, he gave up. And that was frustrating to watch. And I'm like, okay, we need to this – is, this is a need because Christian Kirk, to me, is a versatile receiver that you can play outside and inside, but I prefer him inside at the slot. So now we need to get an uh, um, outside receiver. And the guys are looking, you know, now don't get me wrong. I really think Rondell Moore would be great in this offense because he would give you exactly what Andy Isabella would not give you. Like, you know what I mean? You know, from routes, from, you know, just movement, whatever you want to do with him in that air raid. But there's some other guys. I like Terrace Marshall, another big body guy. He can move inside and out. Um, My dream pick probably would be in the second, maybe third. Well, I don't even think he makes it to the third. Second round. Nico Collins from Michigan, six foot four, two twenty five, physical, just rocked up receiver. Looking at what, what the Cardinals have, DeAndre Hopkins is the only like legit receiver that can go up and get it downfield. Like I, I like Kirk, but again, Kirk is not a guy that I want trying to out jump Jalen Ramsey. Like that's not the case. I that's not a scenario I want. But you put him inside. You got Nico Collins. You run some RPOs that play actions. You get Nico Collins at four. I think he's a from what I've heard like a four 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 guy. Like his speed, his explosion, like and his he legitimately is a 50-50 guy. Like that's his specialty. So it's like going downfield and getting that one-on-one. You know, defense are going to continue to roll coverage over to DeAndre to DeAndre Hopkins. So then in that case, you make them pay for that. Now, don't get me wrong. If for God knows for some reason Kyle Pitts falls that's the move like that is exactly (laughs) Dan Arnold is a tight end too 
Like he is not a type <laughs> one. Um, you know, he's not that great of a blocker. I love him in the red zone. He's like six five, six six. He's got long arms. He's got good speed, but he doesn't play with that alpha mentality. Kyle Pitts is going to come in day one. It's like I don't care if it's a corner, I don't care if it's a safety, I don't care if it's a linebacker. I can win at this level, and that's the type of guy I think he will become that blanket for Kyler. So, um, and then a, a late guy, two late guys, um, Josh Palmer from Tennessee, six foot, six foot one, six foot two, about two ten, I believe, four four guy, another four four guy. Like you know, you watch him against uh, we talked about earlier, Patrick Sertain. He he legitimately stacked and beat Patrick Sertain. You go to George, the Georgia game. Tyson Campbell is a ten. I think it's a ten three guy in the hundred. He stacked and burned him as well. Like he and against South Carolina, stacked their their DBs as well for long touchdowns. He just had a terrible quarterback. Like so, you get him in the late rounds. He fits. He he'll be a great addition to that offense as well as uh, which I just put a clip up of him yesterday. Amir Smith Marset from Iowa. Like again, another situation where quarterback play wasn't great but you look at the traits he's he's a legit threat he's shifty he's he's precise in his routes and his cuts great hands can go up and get the football and he gives you special teams value those are the guys oh i forgot josh imater bebe from illinois another rocked up physical yeah. freak at receiver yeah. so he's a guy i think you know day day three that he comes off the board between the fifth and sixth round yeah man uh that's that's two interviews in a row that we've had uh, in a matter baby reference. Yep. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, I actually haven't uh, dived into his tape yet. So now I'm fairly excited. Uh, Smith Marset though, man, his, his BMI is not going to be there. He's pretty skinny. So yeah, I, I, know, man. I know you, you know, <laughs> undrafted rookie. Like it's just, you know, we know how it is. That right. Listen, Josh, you baby mess will be a first rounder. Cause he's like, you know, if we're looking for BMI. Like he's, He's it, right? Hey. Like him and him and Nico, they those are the those are the prime two of the draft. Hey, we saw some people try and sneak DPJ there last year, so I wouldn't be shocked and if we exactly. start seeing that again. Exactly. <laughs> and that's those those especially Josh Matter Baby, I think could be the DPJ of this draft, that late round uh vertical threat. He's raw as crap though. Like he's very raw yeah. in terms of route running. And but if he can if he can kind of refine his game a little bit. With his physical traits, yeah, that's that's terrifying for a defensive back, for sure. Yeah, yeah if, right. if they if they do lose out on Reddick, maybe a guy like Johnny Smith might be able to stop in here at Arizona. So uh, I, I like it. I like too. it. I like it a lot. <laughs> be good. Be good. All right, Damian. Well, that does it for for our list of questions. Uh, so, major thank you for coming on. This was a blast, Anytime. man. Um, Anytime, man. We'll definitely be asking you to come back on for sure. For sure. <laughs> Remember, um, Jalen Jalen Waddle, wide receiver one. Uh, he's two for me, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <All right>. Quickly <laughs> turns it back. Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Damien, do you want to? Uh, before we let you go, do you want to plug anything you're working on at the the Cracker Report? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, of course, if you go to Crocker Report, I like I said, I just dropped two articles. I think it was Monday. My uh, mock draft 3.0, full third uh, three round draft, um, and then my designated deep threats um, as well. Just looking at pretty much guys that come in and just be a specialist early on in their careers um, with their athletic traits and, of course, deep speed ability, and then. 
I'm working on my top 10 free agents list as well as my top 10 receivers. Um, so I know for a fact that's going to get uh, picked apart. Um, you know what I mean? When Jamar Chase <laughs> is not number one. Um, and then I also have, um, you know, check us out, the Croc Report podcast on Apple Podcasts and, and um, Stitcher and all the rest of the podcast networks. We do have, I have a podcast coming out or interview with a uh, 20, I think he's coming out next year, Verone McKinley safety from Oregon. Um, so we sat down with him right after the Super Bowl. Uh, tra- fantastic kid. He is a coach's son and he's probably going to be a coach one day when he's finished playing ball. So definitely tune into that. And I have Mark, Matt Harmon's uh, interview coming out next week. Oh, good stuff, man. Yeah, good stuff. Good. Like I said, thank you for joining us, and and uh, we'll offer. definitely uh, reach out and get you back here. For yeah. sure, for sure. <laughs> Stuff. All right, guys, welcome back from the interview. Again, major thank you to Damien for joining us. Uh, just an incredibly smart individual. Uh, when we were off air, we were talking through actual like schemes and, and uh, like the the little things that receivers do or running backs do. Uh, Damien is a former running back, so he really understands the intricacies of uh, skill positions, but just one of the smartest people we've spoken to. Uh, So major, major thank you to Damien. Before we get into our three-round Superflex rookie mock draft, we want to talk to you guys about Dynasty Trade Calculator once again uh, because we can't talk about it enough because it's the best trade calculator in the world uh, because, you know, I I can't imagine that like Russia has a better one. You know what I'm saying? So dynasty trade calculator. Awesome. Randy, tell me about all the cool features. Uh, Yeah, they just do a great job uh, in my opinion of like valuing picks and players uh, and continually updating that. But they also have different features where you can change how uh, you want the future picks to be evaluated. Some guys, I just don't really, value as highly that future pick and some do and some are going all in for the next year draft because that's always the most popular thing to do at this time of year Uh, so you could change however you want uh there's age factors there's everything you could change all the settings for different kind of leagues it's it's very customizable to fit every situation need that you need to dominate your league and dominate every trade yeah and Randy knows all about dominating every trade. I once knew about it. Uh, (laughs) People don't trade with me. (laughs) People also don't trade with me. It's because we we use Dynasty Trade Calculator so much and and won all of our trades. So, uh, yeah, guys, the link is in the the description down there. So go click on that link and get set up with Dynasty Trade Calculator. Also, we want to talk to you guys about Red Zone Draft Boards, who we haven't talked about in a while, but... It is almost to rookie draft season. And if you guys have an in-person rookie draft, they are your go-to for red zone or for draft boards. Uh, Sean uh, last year bought one of the red zone draft boards and it was awesome. It was freaking massive. His cat was laying on it. Like there was a lot of things going on, but it was an awesome, awesome deal. And if you click the link in the description, uh, you will get something off. It's been a while. I'm sorry. You will get, uh, I think, 5%. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> doesn't sound right at all. You'll get something 10, off. 10, 15, uh, 20. So- <laughs> it's somewhere in there. The description says it. Not right now. <laughs> it, it sure does. Yeah. So uh, go click on that link. 
Uh, and then lastly, Thrive Fantasy. Just go, just go click the link in the description. We've talked enough about Thrive Fantasy, so uh, it is awesome. I'm gonna win some money in NBA slates this week. I might dabble in a little bit of golf. Uh, so yeah, go download Thrive Fantasy. It's the best. Sure. Randy, are you ready for the three round <laughs> Superflex Rookie Mock? Yeah, uh, ready is a relative term, but. Yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, you have the 101 because yeah, you know we're we are alternating picks here. No CPU involvement. This is just going to be us. Uh, obviously, I do want to. We discussed with Sweet on doing like a, a mega mock, possibly a three round mock together to kind of divvy it up, make it a little bit easier on each other. But maybe after one of us does a two round mock or something, or we did a group one on a show, we can incorporate those landing spots into one of these. But for right now, it's all up in the air, except for probably Trevor Lawrence, who is going at the one-on-one in the real life and this mock draft with my pick. Not yeah. changing anything up here. <laughs> Fair enough. I wouldn't do this. I've had long discussions about the one-on-one and what I would do with it. Um, so I feel obligated to say, because obviously Justin Fields is my QB1, I think Trevor Lawrence has a better rookie year. Uh in terms of fantasy production, because he's going to go to a scheme where he gets to run a lot. We don't know where Justin Fields is going to go. So that's why so, I think Trevor Lawrence has a better rookie year. I want to point out uh, that however you rank the next four quarterbacks uh, besides Lawrence, they're actually all five. We, we're all almost in agreement at this point that Lawrence is going first to the Jaguars in real life. Yes. The other four... Could go two to the Jets. They go three to possibly the Texans or the Panthers. Someone could trade up. But there's a chance the next quarterback off the board is to the Falcons and could also still sit a year or half a year or something along those lines. Maybe that drops them down technically in this kind of list. Uh, so that's why the 101, no matter what, because you know he's starting day one and has the whole season as Lawrence. Yeah. In well, my opinion. It'll be so fucking funny if Gardner Minshew starts for the Jaguars for like two weeks hey, or something. Gardner Minshew could start for the Washington football team. Or the Bears. Yeah. All right. Steelers, 102. That's a big Ben arm just doesn't want to work anymore. No, that's fantastic, <laughs> bro. All right. Uh, 102. You guys know who I'm picking here. It's Justin Fields. Uh, like I said, he'd be my 101 uh, in, in most situations when he's a Carolina Panther here in the next month and a half. Uh he's going to be people are going to say should i take him 101 and my answer will still be yes but i'll take him here at 102 fair enough um so at 103 this is not going to be a quarterback surprisingly i'm going to go with what is pretty much by most standards going to be the first running back taken and that's nashi harris every place that you see him mocked uh, whether it be the Dolphins, uh, Falcons trading up or trading back, uh, Steelers, Jets, I mean, all of them, he's getting the workload day one. And he's running through everyone and being a three-night workhorse. So I'm picking him at three. That's fair. I He's not my RB1. I can acknowledge that draft capital is probably going to shoot him up a little bit because draft capital does matter. Uh, but, but you have to look at last year too and think like, man, I wish I would have taken DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor over 
Clyde Edwards Elaire. And so maybe maybe my stance doesn't change depending on the draft, but I understand so, taking Najee. But that's the thing. Most people did that. <laughs> I know. Most people's rankings didn't change that heavily. I don't know, man. Swift. I, mean, I understand I some did. Like... I understand. I'm just saying the people that actually do the work, listen to the right people, a.k.a. us, uh, <laughs> would still pick Swift or Dobbins or, you know. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, it is me. Uh, at 104, people are probably saying, oh, my gosh, you have to take Zach Wilson. No, I'm not. I'm not going to take Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson's my QB4. And this is fantasy football, folks. And we saw what Jalen Hurts was able to do. Someone in a group chat I'm in, I think it was Dave, uh, Dave Kluge, Kluge, fuck. I fucked it up. I'm sorry, Dave. If you're <laughs> yeah, something like that. But uh, he mentioned that Tim Tebow was once a quarterback one. And so you think about what Trey Lance brings to the table. And even if he's a raw passer, which I think he's a little less raw than people make him out to be. Uh, even if he's a raw passer, he's a fan, like he's scoring fantasy points for you. If he starts, he's scoring fantasy points. Obviously, this is one that will be impacted by draft capital. However, I think the NFL, someone's going to fall in love with Trey Lance, and I think he'll start a year one. Trey Lance, 104, over Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not agree, but also don't disagree. It's becoming, and again, this is live, uh, this is a hectically hard pick for me here. Um, <laughs> Fair. I should pull up my ranking so I don't do something stupid here in the middle of the... Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> only because we've had three quarterbacks. So it would seem that they're flying off the board. Maybe a lot of people don't like Zach Wilson. I think he's probably going to overall, even though that's not what I would do. But Jamar Chase is probably the best receiver. <laughs> he's still there, too. Eek. Um, I'll go Zach Wilson only for the fact that if this is how a draft fell, I think a QB needed team is straightened up or yeah. a QB needed team at five is picking Zach Wilson. Yeah. Because they are flying off the board. Now, this, I disagree. Now, I know you disagree. I, I wrote an article that. Uh, in Superflex Leagues, Kyle Pitts should be the 103. And then, obviously, I've I've cooled on it a touch. I took Trey Lance over Kyle Pitts with that, that fourth overall pick. Uh, however, I mean, shout-out to Adam. He's doing all the work on Kyle Pitts right now because he wants the Eagles to take him over a receiver. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to present a positional advantage for you by year two. I think year one, he's productive. Uh, I think that you're not going to have any diminished value with Kyle Pitts. So you take him now and hope he becomes the generational talent that, that where I think that word actually fits. Uh, so, yeah, Kyle Pitts, 106. Uh, I think if this is tight end premium, I might be with you. Uh, but it's not, and a lot of leagues are even in discussion of getting rid of the tight end position, which is kind of ludicrous. But even though we just, we discussed that in this interview where that position is only getting deeper and deeper every year, 
Um, I love Kyle Pitts. Obviously, I think he's going to be out wide and slot and everything. We've seen uh, multiple tight ends do that, that I would not pick over Jamar Chase. Just saying. I mean, would you pick Kyle Pitts or Justin Jefferson? Mm, You know what I know now. I mean, Justin Jefferson, but knowing nothing going into last year, I'd probably take Pitts. Yeah, but we still don't know what Pitts is. Yeah. That's why I like. And we don't know what team he goes to, and he could be garbage because of that for the first year. He's going to the Falcons, bro. Chill out. Then he'll be <laughs> slightly garbage. No. That's that's a target heavy offense. Just saying. Julio gets hurt. Just chill All right. Out. Well, Thank Kyle Pitts went at 106. <laughs> He's not slipping past us. Wide receiver one in this draft. Wide receiver one in your hearts. Jamar Chase at seven. Uh, he's he's incredible. There's there's just no question. Um, I I you can have question if he's your wide receiver one or not. I'm perfectly fine with that. He's my wide receiver one, so he's going here for me. That's fair. Yeah, that. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> this draft is freaking loaded with talent too. Like getting oh, it's insane. Jamar Chase at 107. Like this makes me so excited for all the rookie drafts that I don't have picks in. Uh, because I'm gonna be <laughs> a trading motherfucker. That I couple of days i will say it's looking crazy right now but once we're out of this first it gets worse and it it drops off heavily it in does. my opinion there's some good depth there's some people i love uh but it might not be all it was hyped up to be last year when everyone was telling you trade last year's first round picks for this year's just saying and they're going to start saying that again in about a day i'm yeah. calling it um, seeing much. it tomorrow on Twitter. Calling it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. 108. I am taking Javante Williams. There was a discussion in my mentions today. I did see some people are are flipping the script and making him their RB1, which that's where I have him ranked. So I fully condone that behavior. Uh, however, Paulie, shout out to Paulie. Uh, he is still here at 108. And I think this is what you're going to see in most of your rookie drafts. I know some people might love Javante to a higher degree. If our league mates, Randy, listen to our podcast, I fully expect to not have any Javante shares. But I have the I have the 108 in a league, so I'm really yeah. hoping that they aren't listening for the next couple of weeks. Well, so I can get him. Uh, if we're talking the OG one specifically, all three of the top three teams desperately need quarterbacks, so uh, he Very might true. still be there. Very true. Um, now I do have. Uh, Javante, I believe I said as my RB2. I, I'm almost positive of that. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the very early consensus so far, Travis Etienne is still a lot of places RB2 for the draft. Um, I think landing spot is going to be absolutely huge between these two. Obviously, like I said, Najee is being mocked to places where it's incredible landing spots and uh, one of those teams is going to get him, so one of the other teams will probably get one of these two guys, so it's still a good landing spot, but we'll see how that all fits out. But I'm going to go at 109, Travis Etienne, to get the lasts. I mean, in my opinion, there's there's a top, top three running backs in this class. Uh, there's, there's some guys next that I think are uh, possibly getting close to that kind of thing, uh, depending on the landing spot and how good they come out the first year, certain situations, but... I'm going to take the last running back I could probably truly trust. Yeah. 
that's it's fair. I think my my tier break is actually after Najee at RB two, and then down to my RB three, and then ETN. So, but I I don't hate it. I think this is what you're gonna see. I mean, I'm probably too low on ETN. I will fully admit that I am okay missing out on ETN at his current value. But well, I have a feeling what's gonna happen next. <laughs> Do, were you correct? Yeah, I'm correct, but that's not even what I was thinking. Interesting. Like, okay. I knew that's what you were picking, but that's not what I was getting at. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Uh, with the 10th pick in the first round, I am taking my wide receiver one, Rashad Bateman. Now, going into this, I said I was going to consider draft capital. I think where we're going to get is Rashad Bateman. I, I'm still on the fence. Like, he might be a first round pick he might be an early second but then you look back to last year where you know justin jefferson was the what fourth wide receiver taken fifth fifth wide receiver taken uh and then t higgins was the sixth wide receiver taken and those two were seventh t higgins was seventh because Ayuk was in there somewhere too um deservedly so yeah <laughs> yeah and, and you think about Ayuk as well so my point is draft capital matters to an extent. However, Rashad Bateman is so good, in my opinion, at getting open naturally, and he has really good hands. I think he's going to contribute from day one. I think he's going to be the best receiver in this class when all is said and done. I also think he can fit into any scheme, which that doesn't necessarily separate him from any of these top receivers. Uh, but, I mean, it's good to know. Yeah. Uh, and I did know you were going to Rashad Bateman, but what I was talking about is, like I said, I took the last possibly top, top running back. Yep. There's only one top, top quarterback left. So that means we are about to see, in my opinion, a lot of wide receivers go. And I'm going to keep it going with Devonta Smith at 111. Uh, quite possibly the first receiver drafted. I don't think there's any shot Rashad Bateman is. Um, only just because of how he's currently being valued. Uh, but don't, don't let that worry you, Rashad Bateman fans. Uh, like we said, Henry Ruggs was the first receiver taken. And let's be honest, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh receiver taken in your rookie drafts and the real draft last year uh, probably worked out a little bit better than that. So don't fret. Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman, all going to be incredibly good. Devonta Smith, may I think he can fit in any scheme, uh, but he may need a little bit of uh, schemed plays to start off his career, uh, mainly just because that's what he was in Bama for a lot of the time, at least this yeah. season. So yeah. I think to jumpstart him, he's going to have a little bit of that action, but I'm not really worried about him, except maybe the NFL frame needs to get slightly bigger, but if that makes him slower, then no. So we'll we'll see that. Obviously, the NFL team's going to know a lot better than me. So. <laughs> Great true. Off to you. Yeah. Uh, actually, something you said there changed my mind uh, really? with this pick. <clears throat> so I was going to take Jalen Waddle, and rightfully then, so. Then you, yeah. So then you said, uh, I mean, you you said the thing about the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guys taken in your rookie drafts may have worked out better. Well, then in that case, I would. If I'm picking at the 112, which I do in a league because I want it, 
Although I think I traded my pick, so I don't even fucking pick there. But uh, I would take Rondale Moore over Jalen Waddle, and I know that's like not something that really makes a ton of sense because of how big playability we we've seen Jalen Waddle to be, and how physical he is at the catch point. I understand all that, but what Rondale Moore is is he's a PPR machine, like even if he doesn't get all the work behind the line of scrimmage, he's going to work in the short to intermediates. Uh, I think he can win deep. I think he's definitely going to have to improve on that if he's going to be a deep threat, but uh, I am taking Rondale Moore over Jalen Waddle, and then I know who you're picking next. Yeah, and I'm obviously taking Jalen Waddle next. Um, like I said, the string of wide receivers is going to keep going. Uh, obviously, Waddle's going to the first. Rondale Moore most likely will not, uh, but that does not mean that it's not going to be a great fit. And like you said, he is going to be a PPR monster. I have a feeling he could go to a possibly not an incredible team or an incredible offense, uh, but he may get that like initial Jarvis push in Miami where he just gets a ton of targets <laughs> and it becomes fantasy relevant immediately. So I don't hate it at all. And I'm not shocked at there either. <laughs> this yeah. this is playing out exactly how I thought it would. So yeah. So <clears throat> at the 202, I am taking Jalen Waddle's quarterback, his favorite quarterback. He liked him more than Tua, Mac Jones. I think Draft Capital is gonna say <clears throat> that Mac Jones goes higher than this. I really do. I think that Mac Jones is probably gonna be overdrafted by the NFL because they like slow white guys that can't really throw very very well uh wow. th- that's that's a slight to mac jones i'm so sorry mac jones how however uh chris sims said that he has elite traits <clears throat> that's just a lie he's just lying at this point so uh but i'll take him at 202 because he's the last actual quarterback that i have faith in a little bit of faith in at least left yeah i think after him we're th- talking about uh shot picks really at the quarterback position uh, a lot of guys that we've identified as career backups with possibility of uh, doing good given a shot and the right circumstance, the right amount of time setting and learning kind of thing. Um, so yeah, perfectly makes perfect sense to me. Um, if you have both the 102 and the 202 uh, and you got two quarterbacks, you're probably shocked. <laughs> you're probably trading someone. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't hate it. It's it's not a bad move. It's a super flex. This is a 12-team super flex. You're obviously, you have at least one quarterback in your roster. You're walking away with two. That means you have at least three, most likely four or five, and you're killing that position, dominating the league in that position uh, for the future. Brandy knows uh, all about that, too. I do. 203, <laughs> Kadarius Tony. Um, if you look at industry mocks right now, uh, just, again, there's not a lot out there, really. He is going uh, probably the end of the second for uh, these rookie mock drafts. There is an enormous chance he goes in the first round of the real draft, which means his draft capital is going to be really high. Uh, worst case, second round. So getting him as the what? One, two, three, four, five, six receiver off the board? Uh, not a bad idea. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get schemed plays. He is. I don't. I won't have any Kadarius Tony. I know that. I'm. I'm just. It's a risky bet. Now, and uh, again, I'm, it maybe he's along. Uh, I don't want to say this like technically because, like, 
I mean, I think I probably had him and maybe like Jalen Rager ranked about the same about this time last year. Uh, one got drafted really high. It looks like the other one is too. Uh, in a lot of leagues, Jalen Rager went like second receiver off the rookie board. So, yeah. you know crazy. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. or third at least. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I mean, he there were. There were times he was drafted over Henry Ruggs. A lot of people in rookie drafts last year took CD, then they took Judy, and then they may have taken Rager. They may have taken Jefferson. He went Ruggs like also fi- was there. He went like fifth or sixth in one of ours last year. And yeah. it was the shock he picked to me, Christian, I will say, but still, there's something to it. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't, it's not out of the possibility realm. Yeah. All right. Now the next pick is you. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> that's okay good good segue uh so 204 i am getting off the obviously i went quarterback with my last pick and i'm bringing it back to running back and i am taking kenny gainwell uh the running back out of memphis this is a guy that you're not hearing a ton about because he didn't play this last year uh this is i i think 204 is extreme value for this guy i think he's a really good runner I think he's going to weigh in at 200 pounds and not be as concerned, uh, or I won't be as concerned with his size. I think he's the best pass-catching running back in this class, uh, partly because he could line up in the slot. He can do a lot of different things. I think in PPR formats, which is what you should be playing, Kenneth Gainwell is just an incredible add for your team. So I'll take him at 204. Uh, oh, fair enough, man. <laughs> I mean, can I really argue with that? I mean, that's kind of the thing here. You can't. Um, so next for me, and this is very difficult for me, uh, because I do have someone else ranked higher. However, the league seems to not think that way as of right now. So I'm going to pick Karish Marshall. Um, he is getting possibly first round consideration right now. Definitely early second round consideration. He is getting higher praise than what I think me and you both believe Amon Ross St. Brown deservedly should get. Uh, but because of that, his draft capital will most likely be a little bit higher than St. Brown's. So I'll take Marshall just to try and make this a little bit closer to consensus of what the draft could be. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. I, I'm obviously a little lower on Terrace Marshall. I, I have my concerns. Uh, I am pretty much on an island alone uh, with that take. So that's okay. I I do that a lot. So um, with the 206, I am going to bring it back to wide receiver, and I'm going to take Elijah Moore. This is a guy that I think the hype is starting to ramp up, which means it's going to fall again. And then there's a there's potential that Elijah Moore is a late first-round pick, if not early second-round pick. There's also potential that the way the board falls, Elijah Moore is a third-round pick. Uh, so this one's definitely dependent on the capital, not so much the landing spot, because Elijah Moore is going to be a really good slot receiver for a team for a really long time, in my opinion. So I'll take him, 206, add him to this just an incredible squad. I wish I had this many picks in real life. Fair, I think we all do, but then our team would probably look like crap right now up until this day. Um, and 207, I won't let the guy I really do love his game pass any longer. I already talked about him. I'm not St. Brown. Uh, 
obviously the best of the brothers, uh, in my opinion. But I think because he's getting less hype necessarily right now, he may get uh, an elite landing spot to be a wide receiver two or possibly three on a team. But we know that that could be absolutely deadly. I mean, let's be honest with the connection. He could end up being the wide receiver two in Green Bay. And I mean, my God, does that just shoot up his draft capital? <laughs> like, I mean, that just shoots up his value, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that pick. That would have been my next pick actually as well. So fuck you. Um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> all right. 208. I am taking Michael Carter in my Javante tweet today. Uh, people were wondering why there isn't as much buzz around Michael Carter. And I'll tell you, it's because he's small. And while he doesn't run small all the time, like I've seen a couple of clips and I, I watched it on film when I studied him, but saw a couple of clips of him just lowering his shoulder into guys and looking, doing his best Javante impression, which was fun. Uh, Michael Carter, he, I, this is a guy I see being drafted much, much higher than what we have him ranked. Like I could definitely see him being third or fourth off the board. So. It's, oh. it's not wrong. Um, yeah. And in fairness, uh, well, here, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to get my draft pick out of the way before I praise yours. 209 mm-hmm. for me is going to be Chuba Hubbard, uh, a guy that I have ranked highly. Um, maybe, and I and I spoke about this when we went over our running backs. Uh, maybe I had my eye too much on last year film or 2019 film instead of this year. This year was not impressive at all, but you know the traits are there. You've seen him do it. You've seen good things. So if you can tap into that, and I think he'll go into a good system, that'd be really well off. Uh, But there's a chance that he gets drafted uh, second, third, fourth, anywhere in there, and maybe isn't the future back right away. I think there's no chance Michael Carter doesn't have a role day one. So I, I agree with your selection above Hubbard, even if I don't have it ranked that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I like Chuba quite a bit still. I mean, I, he's a little further down my list, but not, not much at all. Actually. I, holy shit. There, there've been a few uh, running backs off the board. That's good to see. Um, So yeah, I like that pick as well. I think, you know, Chuba, I think the thing with Chuba is what is his role going to be? He's not a good pass protector. He's not, a bad pass catcher but he's not a great one either and so is he a first and second round or first and second down back I, maybe um which I, is not I ideal think, i think he will develop into a three down back uh possibility in the league now yeah. will that ever actually end up being the case for where his situation is maybe not but i i at least can respect the tra- uh, the traits I've seen already. So, were you just trying to lead me to take Kyle Trask? Next? No, I just saw his name <laughs> and I accidentally said it as I was talking. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not taking Kyle Trask next. I am taking Diami Brown, Fair. the wide receiver out of North Carolina. I am just on North Carolina today. I took the Javante. I took all the North Carolina players, um, but there's deservingly so. I think Diami Brown has a chance to be. Uh, I saw a comp for him that I kind of like, and I kind of don't. Uh, Will Fuller, uh, who struggled initially 
to catch the ball across the middle, and he wasn't really a good possession guy. And then we saw what he did this last year. Granted, he was on PEDs, but we're just going to sweep that under the rug and not talk about that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, De'Ami Brown definitely is going to take the top off of defenses from day one, in my opinion. I got into arguments about his hands. He doesn't attack the ball like the correct way. I understand. But he do- when he gets his hands on it, he does not drop the ball unless it's a, a, a deflection or a, a pass breakup. Like, De'Ami Brown has pretty good hands, even if he doesn't attack it correctly. Plus, that's something that I think he'll be able to fix. So I will take him at the 210. Fair enough. Uh, 211 for me is going to be a guy I have just ranked right above De'Ami Brown. That's Tylen Wallace, a uh, guy that's going to go day two. Uh, I said after the senior bowl, he seems like the safe, safer option uh, where he can do multiple things. He does everything well. Uh, he may not uh, develop into a wide receiver one, in my opinion, but like he's good. There's no question about it. <laughs> like I think he's a safe pick in the draft. He's definitely a safe pick in the second round of your rookie draft. Yeah, yeah, that's this, that is certain. Your pick just surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> yes, so. My next pick, the 212, I am taking Seth Williams, the wide receiver out of Auburn. I think that the industry and the NFL are going to be all over the board with Seth Williams, but he's a big guy that profiles as a potential wide receiver one for a team at some point, and there aren't a lot of guys like that in this draft class. So I think Seth Williams is going to find himself selected on day two. And if that's the case, I think getting him at the back end of the second makes some sense. He doesn't show a ton of effort. He's got questionable hands at times. But again, there aren't too many guys that profile as a dominant wide receiver one. If Williams develops, I think he could be that. So I'll take my flyer here. Uh, Fair enough. Definitely a flyer. I think there's a wide receiver I would have picked before him for sure, but I'm not doing that here at the 301. Uh, I will say only one quarterback in the second round. Not starting the third round with it. We're going with a position that got no love in the second round from us. I'm going Brevin Jordan uh, at Miami. I think he'll be viewed a little bit more of the physical freak compared to Fryermuth. And I think uh, Fryermuth may get higher draft capital, almost absurdly so. But I think the landing spot for uh, Jordan could be a little bit better. Uh, there's a high chance that Fryermuth is a Jet or a Jag, and maybe that doesn't spell success the first year, or at least most of it. I mean, like Hawkinson, his first year had what, like one relevant game. Uh, Cole Komet had none. Uh, so, you know what I mean? It's guys that I do think, obviously, I think Hawkinson's going to be a great tight end this year. And I think Komet can probably reach in the top tight end ones, discuss, like top 12, obviously, tight end ones discussion. Uh, so, yeah. Brevin Jordan for me. That's fair. And I'll take the guy that I have ranked slightly above Brevin Jordan. Uh, but same tier. Uh, there's definitely a tier break after Kyle Pitts, but... Uh, Pat Fryermuth, I think you know, this is a guy that I think he profiles pretty similarly to TJ Hawkinson. However, I think he's more of an athlete, and I think he can be used downfield a little bit more than Hawkinson was even in that first year. So uh, while you definitely shouldn't expect to get production out of your traditional tight ends, 
I I know I said the exact opposite about Kyle Pitts, but uh, with Fryermuth, obviously it's like a draft and probably stash type of deal where you hope you have someone else to start for this first year, but definitely a good asset to get in the third fucking round. That's great. Yeah, I think he's. I think both these tight ends, their range is, uh, let's say mid second to early third, anywhere in there. I I would be comfortable. I think depending on my team situation. But you, I mean, if you need a running back, quarterback, wide receiver, you're attacking those positions first and saying fuck the tight end. That's just yeah. how fantasy works. So, uh, Fireman with Jordan off the board. The wide receiver I thought you would take. Dwayne Eskridge, the guy you you really like, a guy that's even gotten some first round consideration, uh, and you're getting him at the three hundred three. I think that's Crazy. more likely where his actual draft capital takes him, but he has some high upside, in my opinion, uh, and could be a PPR kind of guy. So, three hundred three, perfect pick. Yeah, I had actually someone who I was arguing with about Deami Brown today mentioned that they'd rather have Eskridge and. I didn't argue back on it. I mean, I like Eskridge a lot. He's hovering pretty pretty close to Diami. This wide receiver class is something that I am very excited for. Like, I think getting Eskridge in the third round is like, I, I what what it's telling me is I need to stock up on second and third round picks because they're cheaper. That's what I'm going to do. So, Most likely. Yeah. All right. Uh, 304, I am taking Jamar Jefferson. Uh, this is a running back that's gotten comp to J.K. Dobbins, and while I don't think he has like the explosion and and long speed that J.K. has, uh, I do think that Jefferson could very well be uh, higher drafted than we think. I I think back to like Cam Akers last year going over some guys. I think of Antonio Gibson as well. Uh, so I think Jefferson's going to find himself day two capital, and and this will be a good pick. All right. Well, uh, the light has been shown. Uh, there will be another quarterback, and his name's <laughs> Kyle Trask. It's three hundred five. Yeah, I think there's the draft capital for past the top five is really going to diminish the the actual fantasy capital is going to be spent on these guys. I think a lot will be in uh, future quarterback roles instead of immediate. Uh, draft assets, uh, which usually spells third round and past. Uh, Trask yeah. is my next guy up, so I'm going to put him in here. That's fair, man. All right, I don't, I don't know who I'm selecting here, Randy. I'm going to ask for your input. Do you think I should stick to my rankings or stick to what consensus is probably going to say here with ADP in the next couple of weeks? Well, why don't you like what? You got like a. I it's a big receiver, one that I've been hyping up quite a bit. That's not really getting talked about. There's another big receiver that's probably going to get some more hype, but might end up. They both might end up day three picks. I mean, I don't understand secrecy. Like you could just tell me. <laughs> You're right. So I'm debating between Jonathan Adams, Jonathan Adams Jr. or Nico Collins. Uh, I think Adams Jr. will be able to get a little bit later. Uh, Nico Collins, in my opinion, is probably going to go day two. Maybe. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Adams gets out there for a lot of teams. Just saying. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm having like PTSD with my Omar Bayless love. 
uh, with Jonathan Adams, literally same school. So, uh, I yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm going Nico Collins here. Nico is a very good route runner for his size. I think he's got good size adjusted speed. I think some team's going to fall in love with him. Like I said, not a ton of big guys in this draft, so I think they'll go earlier than expected. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go with the 307, not the guy you talked about. I'm going to go with the guy that I, unfortunately, uh, not that he would have been really talked about on our show, but unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch before our wide receiver top 10 show. A guy that's getting a lot of hype uh, in the super flex and rookie mocks that I've been seeing. Tamarion, Tamarion Terry. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's going anywhere in second or third round in a lot of these that I've been seeing. Uh, most likely about here around pick like 30 plus. Uh, but he's a guy that does have some high upside at this kind of pick. Uh, he might I think my next picks won't be a receiver. I th- I think that says a lot, uh, but I think Terry is a guy for sure we're target in the third round. Fair. Okay. <clears throat> this is something that doesn't really align with my rankings, <sighs> but I'm going to do it because I know we'll get killed if we don't you have this bitch. guy in here. So Trey Sermon is my pick at 308. Uh, Like I said, doesn't align with my rankings. He's actually about eight running backs down. Everyone is on the Trey Sermon train right now. I think we talked about that in the interview. Uh, We definitely did. Damian talked about Trey Sermon and how he loves him and how he's got active eyes. And it made me go back and watch him. And I bumped him up a couple spots, but I still can't get there. Uh, So I'll take him despite my beliefs, uh, knowing that he will have been off the board probably yeah i i think uh just with the running backs not going really i think he might have gone before this by the time we get to the season um it does make me want to pick a running back here um do it do it it. (laughs) um but out of respect for the, the top-notch analyst that is Chris Sims, I'm going Kellerman. I was going to take him. I was gonna take well, him. you took Sermon for me, bitch. Should have took Keller. Fair. Uh, right. He's a quarterback that has a lot of uh, traits that I think do translate to what seems to be the new wave of quarterbacks for the NFL. Uh, he's a guy that is ultra, ultra streaky, and I don't believe we've seen enough growth or enough good from uh, to be considered your fourth-ranked quarterback. But that's your process, and you've done this longer than I have, so I'll respect you for what you do. But uh, I do see enough upside that I think he should be drafted here. And yeah. I have quarterbacks ranked ahead of him. Uh, they're still on the board, but if you got a guy like Chris Sims talking about him at this length. Uh, And we've heard other people talk about him in the industry. I think that means that some NFL teams are talking about him. So, and I did say after the senior bowl, I think there's a good chance he goes in the second round of the actual draft uh, because the quarterback 
landscape after the top five is pretty dissolute. So <laughs> uh, yeah. we'll see. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it here. Like it makes sense here. Um, but go read my article at 6.30 tonight. Um, no. Okay. On the cut, FFB.com. Actually, just turn on tweet notifications for me at FFBaldman. I'll tweet it out. Actually, probably a bad idea. I tweet too much. All right. Uh, that's, that's fucking facts. Yeah, it is. Uh, third round, 10th pick. I am sticking to my guns. I am taking Jonathan Adams Jr. Uh, this is a guy that he needs more hype. I'm telling you guys, he needs more hype. He is... I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to fucking say it. He's the Kenny Galladay of this draft. Uh, meaning he's a guy that's probably going to sneak into day two because Galladay was, I think, third round. I th- I think that Adams Jr. sneaks into day two. He's a better route runner than people give him credit for, but it doesn't matter because he jumps out of the freaking gym and his ability to go track a ball and then win at the catch point is almost unmatched. Uh, in this class, I think he might be the best at it. So I'm taking him here at the 310. Fair enough. I will say I am manually following along on the Sleeper app uh, with their newly added in players, really. And he's not uh, even up there. Probably, he is right? not on there. Um, yep. I, <laughs> I think that's rude. Uh, but I think it may be fixed by April. <laughs> uh, I do love Sleeper. Uh, but I will say with how much they work on adding incredible new features every offseason. This is something updating rankings for these mocks, I think, is something that they severely lack in. Uh, So we'll see how quickly he is added to the list. Um, I'm going to go with Ramondre Stevenson here at 311. A guy I, I do like at running back. I see a lot of good upside in. Uh, there's some love for guys like Hawkins and Hill and Patterson and uh, even Felton, uh, technically at running back, I guess. Uh, but I'm going to go with Stevenson for a little bit more of an upside play here. But eh, I mean, we're we're getting, and that's the point. Yeah, I mean, it's the third yeah. back and the third. We're getting to a point where uh, if you truly know what you're talking about uh, and you do a lot of research you're still going to hate your fourth round picks uh, and your fifth round picks. And we're in leagues that have both of those for a good reason. Uh, And (laughs) it's going to be tough Uh, running back specifically, in my opinion, is going to be tough to get true value on uh, past probably round two, maybe definitely round three. And I mean, you have, you have the last pick and I don't agree with what you're doing here. Uh, I think you're stupid and I hate you. Um, that's only fine. because I think you're overlooking a guy that I have seen you personally love. Uh, well, go, you go. Position? No. At what position? Tell me. Wide receiver. I'm... Wide receiver. Oh boy! All right. Uh, last name starts with a C. All right. Let me let me look. This is bad bad radio. However. Uh, Devonte Coxie. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I t- a week ago I would have drafted him here very comfortably. He's a receiver I love, but he didn't get a combine invite. Invite like so he's not even gonna be. I know it's like virtual and and obviously the combine is a little mixed 
uh, mixed up this year. However, still significant that he didn't even get an invite. I don't, I don't know what I that's mean, about. I agree. I don't know what that's about, but I I think he's done enough. And maybe there's a little bit of an age thing there, because um, he is. I believe he's a fifth year senior, right? Yeah. Um, and he's a guy I don't have a full scout grade on yet. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of receivers done, but just not him. Um, it's just a guy I know you like. Uh, I also think Felton, uh, as a as a pure combo, maybe day one weapon is a good shout here. Uh, but that doesn't mean he can't go first pick of the fourth or you know. I'm just listing yeah. out guys I like left: uh, Kylan Hill, Patterson, Hawkins. I already talked about them, so uh, go with what you did. Yeah, I'm rolling with Jamie Newman here. It's not even a guy that I have ranked right here, but we have to remember that. When, not, when I'm putting together draft rankings, I'm not putting together fantasy rankings. And I can't deny the uh, Konami code ability that Jamie Newman may possess if put into a starting role. Uh, Newman is one of the weirdest evals. Him and Mond both. Uh, I think if they put it all together, there's a chance that they are starters, uh, which would be absurd. Uh, thinking about this quarterback class, but Newman, it's a flyer at the end of the third. Like I'd prefer to do this in the fourth or the fifth, but here we are at the end of our draft, and I would rather have Jamie Newman than most of these guys just for upside alone. So fuck it. Okay, that's fine. Um, any other guys you want to add in here? Uh, other guys I thought of was like. Sage Sherrod, maybe a Barry Rogers by the end of this. Uh, uh, all right, I'll talk about Hunt, some guys. Hunter Long, Kenny Oboa, you know, the yes. next kind of tight end. Uh, I know we're going to get in that uh, on our next show, yeah. so maybe not too deep a conversation, but uh, yeah, <laughs> just say. I think Long, Yaboa, Kylan Granson all make sense at the tight end position here. Uh, I, I guess Tremble too. I guess we oh, might as well oh, add oh, him. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. We don't really know what kind of pass catcher he is yet and what that value will be to fantasy. He may be that tight end two that ends up blocking all the time because he's a fucking manimal. But yeah. um, one other guy that I should mention is Warren Jackson. Uh it just another guy that like is similar to Jonathan Adams Jr. I prefer uh, JAJ, but Warren Jackson is the Colorado State wide receiver, and we know what receivers out of Colorado do to us, Randy. So, um, specifically yeah. Preston Williams. Um, Des Des Fitzpatrick is probably a shout here. Uh, Tutu Atwell, considering he was yeah. getting first round buzz a couple weeks ago. I, I did remember a guy that we both have ranked decently high that I have I picked guys that I, I have ranked below. Uh Trey Ragas. Um Yep. Yep. Uh, older guy, so understandably. Uh a guy that we talked about uh, I believe in the interview. Again, we talked for over an hour and a half, so it's hard to remember. Uh <laughs> but uh Puka Williams out of Kansas, a pure pass catching most likely kind of guy, but instant value. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, Khalil Herbert is probably a show. I yeah. don't know if you mentioned him earlier. I didn't. Uh, uh, 
And then lastly, Cade Johnson, the South Dakota State wide receiver. I think Cade Johnson may be that PPR eat up target kind of guy uh, out of the slot. This is the slot wide receiver draft. You're going to get some some guys with fantasy value because uh, they're going to go straight into uh, the slot for a team. So uh, overall, Randy, how are you feeling about our three round mock here, man? Um, it's probably wrong. Uh, just <laughs> certain aspects, but I, I really yeah. do think, I think we landed correctly on a lot of spots here. I think our first, uh, I'll say our first two rounds, I think are pretty stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a tight end or another quarterback thrown in there. They all went early in the third. I understand that. Um, but a lot of that's going to determine landing spots and shit like that. But for what we got right now, not going off of a mock draft or anything, I think it's pretty close to uh, what should be closer to ADP, I think. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe, maybe Bateman a little bit lower. Uh, same with Rondell Moore, only because of how like you value those players. Uh, yeah. Even though you love Waddle more than Devonta Smith, but you know whatever. Uh, yeah. I'm taking with the two hundred one. What that just says, if they go higher, which they may, uh, you can get Bateman or more at the two hundred one or two hundred two. So, uh, yeah. Kadarius Tony there. I mean, it, I think it does truly say that the running back class is for sure top heavy with some good, probably second round value. And then a lot of shots. I mean, as of right now, landing spots going to be enormous for running backs. Uh, wide yeah. receiver, obviously, it's huge, but not as huge. Yeah. And and draft capital, too. I mean, that's that's the... I, I wouldn't say, like, for receivers, that's a make or break. For running backs, like you said, draft capital, I think if if you're not taken on day one or two, you're in trouble. But right. for the most part. Um, but that'll do it. For this episode. This long episode. <laughs> very, very long. Very long episode. But hopefully you guys got something out of it. If you did, make sure you drop a review. We will read it on one of the shows here coming up. Uh, we would definitely appreciate any feedback. If you didn't like it, tell us what you didn't like. We are always here to improve our games. Uh, so make sure you drop a review if you have not already. Uh, update on the Friday fix. The four teams, Randy, hit me with them because I forget them. Shit. Um. So it's Browns, Browns Saints, because uh, we were requested that one. Chargers, because they were on it, and Vikings. Uh, Vikings. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, okay. two go AFC, vote. two NFC. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Please go vote. Uh. I mean, of those, I. I mean, obviously, we're Browns fans, so I guess maybe. Uh, that one, but it's also easier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I understand. Maybe don't want to listen to that necessarily. Uh, the Saints one is going to be Hell. erratic and erratic and difficult. But we already did the Eagles, so we've we've been through it. Uh, so have fun. Whatever you guys vote for. Uh, if it ends in a tie again, we'll split it. Unless it's like Browns and someone, maybe we'll go off on possibly with Sean or maybe someone else can come on. Uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, should be good, and hopefully, uh, different different graphics for each team. We're working to make it a little bit better of a stream, uh, yeah. with our graphic designer. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, everything takes time. <laughs> <laughs> everything does take time. Yeah, and shout out to our graphic designer, uh, aka Randy's sister. 
Uh, yes. She's the best. Uh, she's also working on a logo for another project that I cannot talk about yet, but a little teaser there. Um, yeah, go to the website, thecutffb.com, check out our latest articles. We we do have another one uh, that is posting, I believe, in the, in the morning uh, about Philip Rivers and his Hall of Fame status. Uh, go follow me at ffballman. Go follow Randy at Randy underscore Hall seventy one. Randy, anything else? No, thank you, boss man. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys on Thursday with our tight end rankings. That's what we've said. So yeah, that's what we've said. We will we will be back with tight end rankings on <laughs> Thursday. So for Randy Hall, I'm Christian Williams. We will talk to you guys then. Later.